0: Calling this uh, part Regifting Christmas. And uh, let me try to get you started a little bit. Uh, Pam and I, when we got married 44 plus years ago, uh, we uh, had some friends and they gave us what was called a couple shower where they. The guys came as well as the ladies, and they gave us housewarming kind of gifts and, and that kind of thing. So one particular gift was from uh, my best friend growing up. He and his wife, Donna, had uh, had gotten married a month before us, so they had just gone through all of this, and here we are in March uh, getting Married, and so they have this couple shower for us. And the good thing about a couple shower, I'm able to open, <coughs> open some of the gifts as well. And so one particular gift we got was a, a nice bowl, very nice bowl. And you know, the curiosity in me, I turned the bowl over for some reason, and there on the bottom, it said, from Aunt Pee-wee and Uncle Buck. And uh, neither one of us have an Aunt Pee-wee or an Uncle Buck. And uh, so what had happened is Mike and Donna had gotten the gift uh, before they got married. And uh, the, perhaps they had another bowl. I, I don't know, because it was a nice bowl. And uh, But they had re And now they were embarrassed that I, I read out from Aunt Pee Wee and Uncle Buck. It, it's funnier to us than even to you. But uh, that's what re-gifting is. Uh, a definition of re-gifting would be to give someone a gift that was previously received from Someone else Thus, uh, Mike and Donna had been given that bowl and they gave it to us. So it was a re gifting. In other words, something was yours and you, you give it to someone else. No, no problem with that. So if you're feeling guilty, don't don't feel guilty because you're you're just able to give a, a nice gift that maybe you. Uh, you had duplicates of. Now, tonight, we have our staff Christmas, and uh, we have a white elephant thing, so there will be some regifting tonight of gifts that you don't want, and, uh, and so that's kind of the deal there. Uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, we... Uh, We have been given many gifts. We have been blessed this Advent season, the building up of Christmas. We recognize the gifts that we've been given, his forgiveness, his love, his peace, his spirit, his encouragement. And as we study the scriptures, we realize that we have a responsibility uh, the things we have received from the Father to re-give to a world that's desperately in need. Perhaps, uh, and I know when we were kids, I, uh, it's kind of this way, the, what's the favorite uh, time of Christmas? Well, let's be honest, it's receiving gifts I, I, or presents, uh, receiving presents. I have the gift of receiving it's a spiritual gift that's not mentioned in the scriptures but uh, but we all know what it's like to for our kids, especially on Christmas morning, to come out and to see the presents that are are there for them i I want to challenge you this morning through God's word that it's not the receiving of presence so much, but it's the giving of his presence to those we come in contact with. And uh, Isaiah, 100 years before Jesus ever came, he prophesied this in Isaiah 7. He said, Hear now, you house of David, is it enough? to try the patience of human beings. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And then Matthew in the first book of the New Testament, he said this, He said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So uh, the prophet Isaiah prophesied the coming of Jesus by calling him Emmanuel, God is with us. So the presence of Jesus The present of God to us was Jesus himself and his presence. Uh, This morning, I want to challenge you to really think about how you can give the presence of Christ to someone else. And so, uh, I want to go back to the very beginning. I'm going to build a thread for you right from the beginning. Right from the beginning, uh, Adam and Eve were created and placed in the garden, right? I don't have to uh, tell you about that. However, they were created with a pure relationship with the creator God. I mean, it was a relationship that the scriptures tell us was like walking in the cool of the day with the father and and so it's an incredible relationship however when sin entered the world and adam and eve disobeyed the they ate from the tree of uh the knowledge of good and evil and so what happened was they disobeyed and what happened is for the first time that purity of their relationship and fellowship with their creator father all of a sudden was disrupted. And it says in Genesis 3, 8 and 9, it says this, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Now, I, I can't fathom in my mind well enough how these walks used to take place. But there was such a purity of fellowship with the Father that they 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 were very special times. However, when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid themselves from the presence of God, right? They hid themselves, and and the Lord comes along and says, where are you? Now, I've shared this with you before. He's he's Almighty God. He's all-knowing God. He knew exactly where they were. What he's really saying is this. Why aren't you where you're supposed to be? Why aren't you in this pure fellowship with me that we've experienced from the beginning? Why aren't you where you're supposed to be? Because for the first time, Adam and Eve feared God's presence instead of uh, the purity of their presence. And ever since that moment, the... This is where you and I are involved. Ever since that moment of Adam and Eve's fall, not a person has been born that hasn't had a flawed fallen nature. Now, we can say, oh man, if Adam and Eve hadn't messed up. And, and you know, we've embraced that sin nature. Uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so, because of that void in our life, mankind has tried different ways to fill that void. Let me share with you some of them. Number one, we've uh, we've uh, tried good deeds. In other words, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, God uh, is obligated to take me in. Uh, that does not restore a relationship. Number two, material possessions. If I can get more stuff, maybe that will fill that void on the inside. Uh, fame and fortune. If I can make a name for myself in this world, maybe that will fill the void. Uh, power. If I can get power over other people, maybe that can fill the void. Education. Education. Maybe I can become smart enough and become a successful businessman, and maybe that will fill the void. And so people have found that these things do not fill the void. So religion comes in, right? We see uh, religious uh, uh, influence all over the world. Because people think if I can be religious enough, if I I can reach up to uh, embrace God, maybe that will fill the void. I'm telling you, there are people in this room right now, and I'm not getting on to you. I'm just stating a fact that you've embraced religion instead of a relationship through Jesus Christ. And it's still leaving you empty. Today, Until you come to that embracing of Jesus Christ. And so what has happened is man has tried everything to fill that void. And so when that void is not being filled, then we go to the fantasy realm, right? We think, oh, maybe the fantasy realm can fill that void. And the fantasy realm is things like Substance abuse and drunkenness, you just want to forget this void that's there. Uh, sexual promiscuity, you want to embrace something else. Maybe if I, I get into a feelings kind of thing, maybe that will let me forget the void that is there. Or fleshly living, I want to embrace the flesh, fleshly nature so much that I I want to forget this pain that's in my heart. And so what has happened is all of these things are very present today, okay? This wasn't something that's just biblical days. This is something that's still going on today because what God longs for is a, a beautiful, perfect, intimate relationship with you And that's been broken because uh, right from the beginning, so people are uh, searching different ways. Uh, Let me make a, a good statement to you, and I'll read it two times. Jesus came to reveal God to us, and through his sacrifice on the cross, he provided the way to that relationship. Let me read it again because I want this to set in. Jesus came to reveal God to us and through his sacrifice on the cross, he provided the way to that relationship. John 1, 14 through 18 says this. John said this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, talking about John the Baptist, bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 16. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And verse 18, key verse. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. You need to grab this. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to reveal the Father to us in an understandable way. We seem to struggle uh, handling uh, a holy, a distant God, it seems like, at times. But Jesus came to reveal God so that we can understand the character and how God is. Now, I've talked about prophetic uh isaiah said god with us emmanuel i talked about adam and eve and the old testament and how man has struggled now what is our responsibility today and this is where i want to get uh practical for us here's the key thought and this will be on uh on the screen key thought for this message we are to live lives indwelt by the Spirit of God that reflect and reveal Christ to a broken world. Thus, we are to re-gift lives that reveal God's presence in our world. Let me read it again. We are to live lives indwelt by the Spirit of God that reflect and reveal Christ to a broken world, thus we are to re-gift lives that reveal God's presence in our world. I'm not saying that we are God. So don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But his Holy Spirit indwells us as followers of Jesus. And we have a responsibility to live lives in a certain way that reflect and reveal Jesus to a broken world. You with me? That's, what, that's not uh, optional. That is what we're called to do in the, according to the Scriptures. Now, Paul, I want to dwell on 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 through 17, just a moment, because this is where Paul gets very practical to us as believers. He says this, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Verse 17, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned men uh, commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak Christ. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that we, us, are a fragrance to this world, a fragrance of Christ to this world, to those who are uh, perishing, separated from Christ our lives give off a fragrance, but the, they see it as death. And, but to those who are, have embraced Christ, they, that fragrance is life. But he, he gives a story here that he talks about this triumphal procession. And I want to try to paint a picture for you right quick of that triumphal procession. It's a secular thing. It's not so religious in its makeup. But here's what Paul is saying. When a a king or a general has been out on a a campaign uh, to defeat an enemy, uh, they would come back and have a triumphal parade or procession, okay? And uh, historians say that The campaign general had to be at least five years in the campaign. They had to fully defeat the enemy. They had to expand their kingdom, whether it was Rome or whatever. And then they would come back and they would have this parade. And all the pomp and splendor of this parade would take place. The first people in the parade now you got to think all the people are lined up because this is big time man and the first of all the senators and the leaders of that town would come first second of all would come the trumpet players man it's a celebration man they're blowing uh, and it's a a triumphal uh, procession at that point The third thing that would come would be they would bring the treasures that they had taken from the enemy, and they would bring these treasures in the town, and everybody's thinking, man, we conquered them. We took them down, and then what would come next is the captured enemy, the the warriors that had been captured, and they had now uh, been captured, and they were going to become slaves. And so here these slaves are now, and they're thinking, oh, the enemy is defeated. He's in chains and everything. And then uh, behind that would come the conquering king or a conquering general. And they would be on their chariot, there would be all this glory as they yell out to him and affirm what he's done. And then after that would come all the conquering heroes, the, the soldiers that went into battle. And I'm telling you, this would have been a triumphal, incredible uh, thing that was taking place. And what is Paul What is he saying his part is in the triumphal procession? Obviously, the king, he would say it's King Jesus. Uh, But he would say he's not the king. He's not the general. He's not even the conquering soldiers that are in the back. He's not the senators and leaders of the town in the front. What he would be, he would be the slave that has been conquered by King Jesus, okay? We often think, oh, we are the conquering warriors. And listen, I I think the scriptures uh, do allude to the fact that we are uh, soldiers for Christ, but yet the deal is because of our sin, we had to be conquered by King Jesus. And that through that conquering of King Jesus in our hearts, we become slaves and servants of Jesus Christ. Okay? You need to see that because he goes on to say how we give this aroma off. But Paul never saw himself as the conquering king nor as the triumphant warrior, even though he says in Ephesians, the full armor of God. He saw himself as a slave of Jesus Christ to serve him. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that we have a responsibility as slaves and servants of Jesus Christ in our day. So, what what does Scripture say? Notice in verse 17 again. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word... But as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak Christ. Paul says he's been commissioned by Christ himself. What does commission mean? Uh, We use the word ambassador uh, so often in our culture. And, And scriptures say we are ambassadors for Christ. What in the world is an ambassador? We have ambassadors to different countries all over the world. And they are there because that is not their home. Their home is the United States of America. But they are there under the authority of the United States. And they are there to represent the United States, even though they're in a foreign country. We are commissioned of God. You see, this is not our home. We we are uh we are all terminal here. And one day we will go to our home, which is in the presence of Christ Himself, but in the meantime, we are ambassadors, we're commissioned here to represent Christ in a world that desperately needs him. Amen. You, you need to grit this. Uh, I'm not saying it's optional. I'm saying this is the Christian life that we're called to live. So what? What does this mean for you and me? I want to give you three so what's and, and they will be on the screen. Number one is this. We are chosen by God to display the love of Christ. We are chosen by God To display the love of Christ. We are, I think we live in a day, and this concerns me, that the world is turning away from Jesus and they, they they are turning away from him because of Christians. They're, they're not turning away because of Jesus. They're not turning away because we have a loving God that forgives. They're, many of them were turned off by Christians. And, and they're hearing uh, things of what we're against. Uh, let me tell you, we need to have a moral code. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And the scriptures lay that out. But his Holy Spirit compels us uh, from within, it says, uh, according to 2 Corinthians. But we are called and chosen of God to display his love to a broken world. And that's what we're called to do. Secondly, under so what? We cannot re-gift what we do not possess. We cannot come and say, oh, I'm going to love the world through the indwelling of his spirit when we don't possess his love in the first place. Um, And this concerns me as well in our day, is that people are walking away from the church all over the world, and especially in the U.S., and I think, oh God, why are they walking away? And and I have to think maybe we have cheapened the grace of God, and instead of embracing Him and becoming slaves of His, we've just uh, taken our ticket to not go to hell. And uh, and, and that concerns me because. We cannot re-gift at this Christmas time what we do not ourselves possess. And And I'm saying this because some of you today, very day, the Holy Spirit is going to be prompting your heart because you don't want a religion. You want a relationship with a loving God. And today... You need to respond to that commissioning that God is putting on your heart. The third thing under so what is who do you need to re-gift the presence of Christ to this Christmas? Who do you need to re-gift the presence of Christ to this Christmas? Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a spouse Maybe it's a child that has wandered. Maybe it is a classmate that you go to school with. Maybe it is a business partner. I I don't know who it is, but who has the Holy Spirit put on your heart that you need to be displaying the love of Christ to this Christmas? We are chosen by God to display his love we cannot re-gift what we do not possess, and who do you need to re-gift the presence of Christ to this Christmas? I want to ask the worship team to come on up, and I, I want to land this if I could. Jared did an incredible job last week in presenting uh, John the Baptist to us, and uh, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, he came to set the stage for Jesus to come. And uh, what happened was, is that many of the followers of John the Baptist started following Jesus. Now, that had been John the Baptist's message from the get-go, is you need to follow uh, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And that would be Jesus. And so many of his disciples were following Jesus. Now, I would struggle with that. My flesh would battle that, you know, uh, because, you know, he gave his life to this, and these people are leaving. But uh, they were basically uh, challenging um, on this. You know, many of your disciples are leaving. And in John 3.30, John the Baptist says this. He says, he must increase, I must decrease. And I thought, oh, Lord, that's how we can disclose your presence in this day. We must decrease, you must increase. How do you get rid of the fleshly nature that screams at you? You must decrease. He must increase. That's what we're called to do.